Our scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 1, including the very familiar words of the Magnificat. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The word of God, the word of life. Thank you, Alan. Grace to you and peace. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. 
Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from the thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. How can we sing Mary's song of hoping and trusting in God when we look at the world that we live in? The song has been cherished by Christians since Mary sang it 2,000 years ago, but I gotta be honest, it rings so hollow for me this year amid the bleak landscape of the world right now. Mary's song seems like a nursery rhyme or a fairy tale, some pie-in-the-sky vision detached from reality. How can Mary sing that God has filled the hungry with good things when it is so clear that their stomachs are still empty? How can Mary sing about God favoring the lowly when any casual observer of this planet would have to note that they are being crushed beneath mechanisms of power and systems of inequality. This song seems so out of step with the world as we know it. Though, to be quite fair to Mary, it must have sounded equally as ridiculous as when she first sang it. Mary's country was occupied by the Roman Empire, a brutal force that would publicly execute those who resisted their imperial might. Her religious leaders had accommodated this tyranny, and most peasants like her were quite poor. And to top it off, she now found herself pregnant unmarried and pregnant, and so Mary flees to the hillside, to the hill country, the boonies, the unsophisticated parts, seeking the embrace of an understanding relative, and it was in this context that Mary first sang this song. A personal life sputtering out of control, a world around her filled with violence and fear and uncertainty, in a place that no one viewed as having any value. In that context, there is absolutely no rational reason for hope. And yet that's when Mary sings. And she doesn't sing a song of lament, however appropriate that would be. She sings a song of praise and thanksgiving and that's what I wondered about this week. How Mary is able to sing hope when everything around her calls for despair. Mary's song 
starts with a funny little phrase, one that my eyes skim by most times that I read it. My soul magnifies the Lord. Magnify, as in make bigger, to enlarge, as in God's presence in the world is enlarged by Mary. God's love in the world is enlarged because of Mary. Now, this might seem like a self-righteous thing for Mary to say, right? Like, because of me, God is able to come into the world. It seems so anti-Lutheran, right? Like, God is depending on our works to be in the world. But I think this line has a different spirit to it. One that even the most uptight of Lutheran theologians can get on board with. Mary's able to say that she makes God bigger in the world because she has glimpsed God's promise for her. She has heard God's call to her, and in it, she knows that the stories and songs and scripture of her ancestors are not just relics to preserve, but part of this unfolding movement of God's reign breaking forth in the world, a movement that as it unfolds wraps her life into it as well. God is no longer just an abstract set of doctrines or principles to Mary, but this outpouring of love and mercy and promise that has touched her life. It's a statement of wonder. My soul magnifies the Lord. The universe could have spit out someone else, but here I am, and God could have chosen to act with force and might and coercive power, but instead has chosen to cho use ordinary human agents. And guess what, Mary says, God has chosen me. My life matters. My pain is witnessed. My God has chosen me to bring this crazy love into the world. And lest you think that Mary's soul is unique in magnifying the Lord because she's the mother of Jesus, the promised Savior of the world, hear this quote from Meister Eckhart, Meister Eckhart a monk and mystic from medieval Europe. He says, We are all meant to be mothers of God. For God is always needing to be born into this world. We are all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born into this world. And the way that God comes into this world and dwells into the, in this world and has being in this world is through you. God is pleased to make a home in human flesh, yours and mine and those around us. That is what incarnation is about. It's about God's love spilling over and taking root in the precious and delicate lives of ordinary humans. And in your baptism, God has taken root in you. In your baptism, the call and promise that came to Mary has come to you. 
that God will use you to bear Christ into the world, that God will use your soul to magnify the Lord. It's seeing herself as part of God's story of powerful mercy that gives Mary the audacity to sing a song of hope in a world of woe. And I do think it's significant that she sings these words rather than state them. Because music has power. It can have the power to distract us or numb us or drown out the world. Or it can have the power to tickle our minds and awaken our hearts into considering that a new way of being in the world is possible. And these promises of God, they're so wonderful and so outlandish that they almost need to be sung to be believed. For where our minds cannot understand or believe God's promises, our hearts and our bodies begin to embrace the hope that God is sending this world as they break forth in a joyful noise in song. Earlier in this sermon, I suggested that Mary's song might be seen as a nursery rhyme. But thinking about the situation that Mary sang it in, I kind of think it's actually more like a protest anthem. Like the spirituals that fueled the civil rights movement, like the choruses that toppled Soviet rule in the Baltic states, like the chanting that ended apartheid in South Africa, Mary's song is geared towards singing a new world into being. It doesn't deny the world as it is, but it finds its root in the hope that God has breathed out in history. And it's so rooted there that it can gesture toward these new possibilities and realities to be lived into. Mary's song transcends the limiting and constraining force that the tragedies of the world place upon us, and it beckons us to do the same. And so, dear people of God, when the world sings about popularity and status, let us sing with Mary that God looks with favor on the lowly. And when the world sings about quick profit and the pressures of the present moment, let us sing with Mary and remember the generations to come. And when the world sings a song glorifying power and strength and wealth, let us sing with Mary that God makes a feast for the hungry where there is no room for rank or distinction. And let us all sing with Mary that our souls, each and every one of them, magnify the Lord. For by the grace of God, we are the ones to bear God into this world. Amen.